Yeah, so glad you guys are here. Uh, two weeks ago, I had the privilege of opening the book of 1 Timothy and just saying, what's this book all about? We're going to continue that. Uh, but let me just say, when I opened the book last, uh, two weeks ago, I actually read from a letter that I wrote to my mom. You know, she kept everything, and I got past the embarrassing comments about breaking up with my high school sweetheart, you know, that stuff. And really what I was saying as a freshman was, I feel lonely, I need a place to belong. And I was really asking this question, where should I go to church? Like I knew I needed what Ryan was talking about, like I knew I needed the community of God's people, but what's the kind of church that God values? Like, what should I look for? Because there were many options. And two weeks ago when I opened 1 Timothy, one of the things we saw right away from the scriptures is, the kind of church God wants for people is a church that keeps the gospel the main thing. And in fact, when there's false teachers or false teaching, immediately the church addresses that. So the gospel is the main thing. Last week, Ryan, who was just up here, he taught on how the apostle Paul embraced the gospel and his whole life was changed. That's happening right now in our church for some people who are coming to find life in Jesus. As we open up to chapter two, we're gonna see there is something else God wants to be true of his church. And I would say of Salt Church, it's kind of true and it needs to grow. So we wanna be the church God wants us to be. Open up to 1 Timothy 2 and listen carefully. If you've got a Bible or an app, listen carefully because the first part of this is like me teaching, but I'm only going like half time today. The rest is crowd participation. I'm dead serious. If you're a brand new person, you're like, oh my word, maybe I came on the wrong day. Maybe you did, or maybe you came on the best day. You can <laughs> let me know afterwards. 1 Timothy 2, let me read our verses. They're pretty short. It says this. First of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good, and it pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, a testimony at the proper time. For this, I was appointed a herald, an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I am not lying and a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Look back now at that first verse of chapter two. This is how Paul says it. First of all, okay, immediately after like false doctrine, he's like, here's the first thing I wanna talk about. Here's the first thing I want everyone to know. I value this in a church. First of all, and he's gonna say, I urge, okay, this isn't like, uh, I got a suggestion. You know, you have a minute? Uh, I have a little thought. No, this is the apostle, God's man, a representative of Jesus Christ saying with apostolic authority, I urge, the word is strong. It means to request earnestly. Paul's saying, I am urging that you people as of first importance be a praying church. Be a praying church. And as if we didn't just hear prayer, he's gonna say it in four different ways. Look back with me at this, 1 Timothy 2. First of all, then I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those who are in authority. Four different words he uses. Honestly, the last one, I'm like, ah, I think I know what thanksgiving means, like giving thanks. Figured that out, you know, it's like, that was tricky. But the first few, I'm like, I don't even know what those mean. Like, what are the differences between those three words? Here, here's what I found. First word. 
Petitions is an earnest or urgent request to God. It actually, that noun comes from the verb that means to beg. So it seems like it's got emotion and, and, and just expression in it. I'm begging you, God, for something. God's like, it's okay. You can talk to me like that. Beg me for things. And then here's just a broader word, prayers. Okay, so if petitions is narrow and, and it seems passionate and urgent, prayers a more general word. And then intercessions. Intercessions is a different nuance to it. This is a formal message requesting something submitted to a king. So you're standing before royalty and you're making a formal request. Now, I thought, okay, what are all these different ways I need to pray? Do I need to pray like four different ways every time I pray? Actually, the three words, they're similar, but they just differ in intensity. And one commentary, the Bible Knowledge Commentary said, not much weight should be placed on the presumed distinctions between requests, prayers, intercessions. More likely, they're just meant to build on one another for emphasis. It's like God saying, I'll say it in so many different words that are used. Pray. Pray, pray, pray. And then that last word, thanksgivings, if the first three are about things that haven't happened, God's like, and make sure that your life is full of thanking God for what he has done. It's just like our moms taught us, right? You remember those awkward social moments, you know, when someone would do something kind for us and we're like, and, they're, and your mom was like, what do we say? You know, maybe she gave one of those motivational pinches that the other person didn't see. You know, you're like, ah, thank you. You know, it's like, thank you. It's good to learn to just ask for nothing, but to thank God for everything. Guys, bottom line, God wants us to pray. Pray about all things, you know, and, and, and yeah, what kind of things? You know, I first wondered, okay, what should we be praying about? Because naturally, you might find yourself praying if you're a student. Oh, I'm praying for the next test. My word, it's coming quicker than I thought, you know. I'm praying for my job, you know, and hopefully they'll give me a raise or I'll get a job or I am praying that my spouse will finally get a clue and I'm praying for my kids. I am like I'm asking God for different things. Some go, I don't, honestly, I don't pray about anything. I just do life. What does God want us to be praying about? Certainly our own needs are not off the table. Jesus taught us to pray for our daily bread. And I think in that prayer request, he was meaning more than just bread, like your daily needs. Absolutely. But this passage is going to open us up as a church to the kinds of things God wants us praying for. And it's more than just us. Look back at 1 Timothy 2. First of all, then I urge, that strong word, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving, look at this, be made for everyone, for kings, and all those who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. First, who are we supposed to be praying for? Everyone. If I had to sum it up with a big idea so far, if I was building my big idea, it's like, pray in all ways for all people. All kinds of praying for all kinds of people. This just zooms us out from us in our little life and into what God wants us to see. And, you know, interestingly, after mentioning, like, praying for everyone, he keys in on those in authority. Did you see that? For kings, for all those who are in authority. And I want to ask you this question. When you think of those in authority... You can think of government officials, a president, like you can think of it that high. I would also encourage you to think of your boss, students, think of your teachers. If, if you're a part of this church, think of your pastors, 
Think about leaders in your life. And I want to ask a pointed question of us this morning. When it comes to authorities in your life, do you spend more time praying for them or complaining about them? Do you spend more time, like if you had like the stopwatch going, right? Would more minutes be clocked in your last week praying for your parents, praying for Joe Biden, praying for Kamala Harris, praying for, praying for authorities, praying for your boss, praying for your teachers, or complaining about them? Which gets more time? What does your Facebook feed show? What do your conversations display? Is it more time God hearing from you on their behalf? Or, you know, I think about dumb mass and taxes, and I'll tell you what else. If, you know, my daughter was telling me that one of her classes, maybe this is true of a lot of classes, I didn't know. I figured out how to use GroupMe, and I use that. But she goes, Dad, there's a GroupMe, and everyone in the class is in it except for the teacher. And they just roast the teacher. You know, oh, I can't believe he's assigning all this. It's like, how about we include him in there? Would you say the same things? Do you talk to God for them? Interestingly, how when you start praying for someone, your heart begins to change towards them. In fact, it's really hard to stay frustrated at people and regularly pray for them. God begins to change the heart. I have a friend who has a real struggle in his soul with political issues. It really bothers him deeply. He gets very emotional when he's talking about it. And I love the openness of our friendship. He follows Jesus. He's just saying, man, it just bothers me so much. And blah, 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 blah. And I, and I listen to him and I interact with him. And I began to ask him, this is some months ago, I would challenge you to do this. Regularly pray for all the people that you're frustrated with. One, it will change the world because I believe God. And two, interestingly, it will begin to change your heart. Paul says to pray. Pray for those in authority, but why? Look back with me at the verse. I'm going to jump down to a little further in 1 Timothy 2. Pray for all those in authority, for everyone, kings, all those in authority, so that, here we go, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good, and it pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Why are we praying? So that people can lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Think of the high mountains. It's hard in Florida. They exist just somewhere else. A high mountain lake. Be camping with my kids sometimes in the front range of the Rockies or something. And it's like that high mountain lake that's placid. It's calm. There's not any breeze blowing. Not one, you know, hoof from some deer has even hit it. It is like glass. It is like a mirror reflecting the mountains, like tranquil, quiet, calm. Isn't that what you want for your soul? Isn't that why people take vacations? Isn't that why people are trying to power down? Just to have a level of peace and quiet, tranquility, peace in their souls. It's like we want heaven on earth, and we're praying, oh, God, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We would love to have that shalom, that, that peace that can only come from God. Paul is saying, pray for those in leadership because how they do affects our lives. The chaos that was in my home growing up between my mom and dad totally affected my life as a kid. The chaos that happens in government totally affects those they lead. Pray for them so that we might lead a, a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Paul says in verse 3, this is good 
And it pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Paul goes, this is good. I, I don't think just meaning like the tranquil, peaceful lives. I think he's like, that prayer back in the beginning of the passage, that's good. And then he connects it with something even more. He says, this is good. It pleases God, who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Oh, man, all of a sudden you start praying for them, you might even want them to know Jesus. I was talking to a gentleman not long ago, within the hour, just being super open and honest about, I don't know, that I could, you know, put my faith in a God who could forgive murderers like the Taliban. And I thought, Jesus Christ hung on a cross. And some of his final words out of his mouth as he struggled to exhale, because that was the worst part of crucifixion, was, Father, forgive them, the murderers down there dividing his clothes up as he was crucified naked. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. See, our God is full of forgiveness to the people that we have a hard time even imagining could deserve forgiveness. Look, no one deserves forgiveness, not them and not me. And God's like, pray for them. And he connects prayer to even this reality, oh, that, that all would come to know Christ, that they could experience forgiveness. Do you see that we're to pray for all people in all ways? And the hope of the gospel fuels it all beautiful. It's powerful. How are we doing as a church? How are we doing praying as a church? Guys, I am so encouraged in so many ways. Before the service, and you're all invited, okay? Before every service at 8 a.m., I know, second service, that's hard to imagine, right? At 8 a.m., back there, like there's a hallway, there's a room. It's really cool. I mean, it's, we call it the green room. Like, you could come and pray with us. There are people that pray for you, Every week, come and join us. We try and pray during the service. We're about to do that as a church. We pray after the service. You can come forward on any given Sunday and be prayed for. We pray a totally away from Sundays, right? We have connection groups like Ryan talked about, communities of people who hear from God and his word and then talk to him about that and see lives getting changed. College ministry, we have Monday morning prayer. They're about to kick that off here pretty soon. That's been going on since like the 1970s when Salt Company first started in a different part of the country. Like college students early in the morning getting together to pray. And look what God is doing. Like prayer all the time. I mean, I'm trying to grow in prayer. This past week, I got a chance to pray with um, Kevin Anderson, uh, lead pastor of Aletheia, and also Tony Ravistral from Vita Springs. Just a couple of pastors getting together, seeking God. While we prayed, Tony began to cry thinking of students who so desperately need to experience forgiveness. It's good to just pray as pastors of different churches. Guys, God wants our church to be in prayer. And then what allows prayer? What allows me, a hell-deserving sinner, to be able to commune and talk to a loving Father in heaven? Isn't it the gospel? Look with me at verse 5. It's like Paul can't help it. He gets this close to talking about the gospel and just has to summarize it. What a beautiful summary here. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all, a testimony at the proper time. Let me just say, it's connected to what comes earlier. 4 connects it. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind. Think of it this way. There is God, 
fully holy, totally different than us, righteous, holy, so different. There is mankind, you, me, all of us, at different levels, we stand guilty before this God, but then in steps one, a mediator. A mediator is one who can make peace between both parties, one that can represent both parties. Jesus Christ, guys, was fully God and fully man. As God, he is holy, righteous, and judge. As man, he could bear our sins. He lived perfectly on behalf of us who haven't lived perfectly in God's eyes, and he stood before God as a sacrifice for sins so that in his punishment on the cross, he could absorb the wrath of God that we deserved. And that rising from the grave, he could give us the assurance that we too, when we die, like my mom, would rise from the grave and be in his presence. Jesus Christ was the mediator. He stood between holy God and guilty man, and he changed everything. And in a moment, my prayers went from an abomination to God to the sweet whispers of a child being heard by a loving father. We're forgiven through Christ. And now prayer is opened up, a pathway, not just of intimate relationship, but one of power. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon said. This guy is like 160 years like old. I mean, he's, not, he's with the Lord. Yeah, I mean, he lived a long time ago. He said this. That was so confusing the way to say it. I said that. He says, prayer is the slender nerve that moveth the muscles of omnipotence. I just worked some old English in there. You hear that moveth? Prayer, get this. Prayer is the slender nerve that moveth the muscles of omnipotence. It's like somehow just us, just in our little feeble whispers to God, sends nerve up to his power, and guys, he works. I, I have a couple pages filled with answer prayer from the last couple of years. Our church is seeing God work in power. Let's be a praying church. And you know what, guys? We're just stopping the whole message short. That's it. I'm half, uh, you know, I was like, normally I go twice as long, half as long, because guess what? We're just gonna pray. We're just gonna do it. We're just gonna stop talking about it, and we're just gonna start doing it. So here's what's gonna happen. Sorry if you're brand new here today. Just hang in there, you know. What we're gonna do is we're gonna get in groups of three or four. Some people might need, like India, you guys might need to scoot together. I mean, some might need to just make some friends with some people. But in just a minute, we're gonna break into groups of three or four. And then we're gonna have four segments of prayer, okay? I'm gonna tell you how to pray for the first one. And then a few people that have often come on like our early morning prayer, uh, Princess, Tina, and Patrice, they're gonna come up and just lead us through the next prayer. So you're only gonna get a few minutes of praying and then the next person's gonna come up, introduce a new topic, and then we're gonna pray. Guys, we wanna be known as a place of prayer. So we're gonna kick it off right now. If you're uncomfortable with prayer, you're like, oh my word, did I come on the wrong day? Hey, or you don't follow Jesus, that's absolutely fine. Just, just sit there quietly and just listen to some other people as they pray. I promise you we'll be done in 20 minutes. So here's the first thing we're gonna pray for. And we're gonna go based on this passage and this passage talked about local and national authorities. So up, we're gonna have different slides that will come up each time that someone shares. This next one is local and national authorities. You might not have known, oh, my word, he's married to a gal named Jill. Oh, Kamala Harris and why Doug Emhoff, they should share the last name, whatever. Like you just, you're gonna see, you're gonna see some people and you can, you can pray for them. And you might also go, you know what? Some other authorities that Paul mentioned, like my parents, like my boss, like these are the ones I need to be praying for. Guys, for the next like four minutes in small groups, pray for authorities. These chairs aren't bolted to the ground, huddle up, 
and then we're going to keep moving. So ready, set, go. Time to pray. You're on your own.